Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 32 of the Dirty Side of the Grid podcast where I've turned up late to qualifying but through all the orange smoke I've slapped my car on pole anyway and no one noticed. Um, my name is Mohammed, and you join me live here in um, Nico Rosberg's den I guess. Uh, as you can see no sunlight not allowed uh, and I'm trapped in here to talk about what was a very interesting Zandvoort Grand Prix, and to be fair, the um, the Dutch Grand Prix, sorry, and I don't know, I feel like due to it being Max's home race, uh, the race last year was horrendously boring, and the fact that it's fairly new in terms of, well, I'm basing that off the fact that I haven't played it on any of the F1 games I've played, so I don't really know the circuit too well, but definitely seeing it in this race, I feel like the track is definitely... I, I don't know, I don't think he gets a lot of credit for being just a really good race circuit, to be honest. Uh, the racing was interesting. The Obviously, the, they love showing the shots of the banked corners and all of this stuff, and they really do rinse that. But, like, in general, some of the corners are really nice. The banked ones, obviously, looked good, mainly turn three, I think it is. Uh, the, the right left with the gravel in the middle. So if you overshoot, I think it's where Kevin Magnussen went off. That one's really interesting. I think um, Mick Schumacher got a good few moves made there. So in general, it's just a, a really interesting racetrack. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, a lot of stuff could have happened. But yeah, I guess I'm here to talk about it. Uh, I guess we'll start with, well, the news, actually, the news. Once again, interestingly, straight after I had finished recording or something like that, within the next few days, um, where is it? McLaren announced Oscar Piastri to replace Daniel Ricciardo in their car for next year. Controversially, turns out in the uh, the timeline that has been reconstructed here, they signed him just before Silverstone, which was early July. Uh, I believe after Silverstone, or a few days later, Daniel Ricciardo released a statement about how he was committed to the team, the rumours weren't true, and he would be trying everything in his power, and continually doing so, to improve his performances, do better, and all the rest of it. That's pretty tragic, uh, knowing that they'd already signed the the thing. Uh, I don't really remember what McLaren is saying. I know they didn't release a statement at the same time, but there were definitely, you know, interviews and all the rest of it. So I take back everything I said. Uh, Daniel fans are rightfully angry about this. And it's looking like he might not have a seat for next year. I'm sure he's in talks, but obviously his stock has gone. It's in the mud at this point. Like, uh, I remember... 2018 when he left Red Bull I still think it was the right decision for him to leave Red Bull uh when he went to what was at the time Renault he could have negotiated I mean he got himself a great deal he got paid really well didn't exactly perform very well but did what he could I guess I mean I don't know how the guy the guy expects to build a team around him and bring a team from the midfield up to the top three but he doesn't actually care for engineering like he's literally said before in interviews and stuff he doesn't care for, uh, he just gets in the car and drives it as if that's what's going to fix a, a P4 team and um, become like a dominating factor. 
like I don't know it just it doesn't sit right in my head now thinking about it how the guy expected to just hop into a car that was six tenths off the pace and then end up destroying all the competition a year later like or two years later whenever the regulations changed now it turns out he can't even adapt his driving style like I'm I don't know you know what I was on the fence about Daniel Ricciardo and his future in F1 and all the rest of it and he's a very talented guy so I I would love to see him in a competitive car but everyone seems to be performing at least in the top level and in the midfield, I don't think he's very useful unless you put him in like Latifi's seat and then he helps develop that team. But then again, it's looking like Albon could probably do a better job of that. So I don't know. It's, it's, he might as well just become like the narrator for Drive to Survive or something at this point because I don't know. The hop in the car and drive attitude is just not really doing it for me. And. I'm assuming based on the statements, he would have changed that. But if he hasn't, that's, I don't know where else he expects to go, really. Um, yeah, that's Ricardo. His replacement, Piastri, looks, I mean, I don't watch the junior formulas, but based off the fact that he won F3 and F2 back-to-back, that's something that's only been done by a handful of people, and they're very good people. So... I trust that he'll do pretty well. And luckily, his benchmark is Norris, who's proven to be solid, uh, at the very least solid and consistent. And then he hasn't been given the chance to prove himself on the better end. So if he's on pace with Norris, maybe a little bit slower, that's a good sign for him, especially at the start of his career. Um, This leaves ghastly rumours to take the vacancy at Alpine from Alonso leaving, which is interesting. I think I mentioned this because of Ocon and Gasly's past. Uh, Couldn't be bothered to look up what actually happened because I don't think it's really that interesting. Uh, But two French drivers at a French team sounds pretty fun, to be fair. and it would, I think Alpine are in a good position there. Where McLaren were last year, they're looking like they're going to secure P4. Still hard to break into the top three teams. I can't remember the last time there was another team that wasn't... Because even in the Mercedes era, second and third place was always occupied by Ferrari or Mercedes. I mean, Ferrari or Red Bull. I think you'd have to go back to 2014, maybe. I feel like Williams might have finished third which may sound weird to new people, but uh, basically the Mercedes engine was so good. Yeah, they did finish third. They finished ahead of Ferrari. So yeah, basically the Mercedes engine was so good. They just, I don't know, they made a really good car with low drag. So essentially they were just a rocket in a straight line. And that was enough for them to not be overtaken. Just a tactic you see now a little bit. Uh, it's worked for them recently, I guess. Uh, but not as well, obviously, seeing as the Mercedes engine doesn't have the same gap to everyone else. Um, What do we have? All right. Yeah, you know, there's, there's only so long I can go on without doing this. Might as well start. So, get to the weekend. Everyone lands. We're preparing in Zandvoort. I'm at work. It's just the usual build-up to the race weekend. 
and practice results come in because honestly who's watching practice if you're watching practice you're weird why are we pretending like practice is interesting it's not interesting so do yourself a favor hop on the youtube channel go watch the two minute highlights have a little look google the results see what the times are because listen people say f1 is driving around in circles and if you're watching practice that is what it is but i'm not going to say the race is that but practice definitely is um i mean to be fair being i don't know i probably have like an agenda against it just because of the practice is data gathering and i've heard that phrase too many times this year um what do we have so start of the weekend that's where i was i checked the practice results and mercedes are quick now like I said, I don't know too much about Zanvor. I've been playing F1 since 2009 on the Wii. I played 2011 on the 3DS, by the way. 3D. I was playing F1 2013 on the... No, 2011 on the 3DS. Elite gameplay. I should have recorded that. Would have been like a... I would have been like Arav. Anyway. <laughs> right, so... I checked Mercedes are quick. That's the point. Mercedes are quick. I don't know the track too well, but turns out this is similar to Hungary. Fast corners, whatever. It suits the Mercedes. Good stuff. They're quick. We go into second practice, they're quick. Third practice, they're quick. And now they're already on pace and we're going to quality and it's looking good. It's all looking good. It's looking great. It's looking like Lewis could end his longest streak in his career for wins i mean we don't get we don't want to get ahead of ourselves but if they're relatively similar to the red bull and ferrari in practice then similar to them in quality then you'd assume with their superior race pace to their quality pace they'd be toying with potentially having not the fastest car you'd assume that it would be slower than the red bull but if something happens to max because not not him but maybe like his car you'd assume something would have to go wrong with that car for someone else to win at this point then that just means there's only one car in the way of mercedes and victory but turns out <laughs> i can't i can't even say this man perez bottles it once again lewis's final run is ruined by something out of his control once again, it's happened at a track where it's looking like he could potentially fight for the win. And I mean, this time it affected Russell as well. But in <laughs> just, I can't believe it. It's, he just spun it. Final corner, he's coming out. Final runs, this is it. This is the moment Perez should be looking to get pole himself, to be honest. The guy's down in fifth or something. I don't know what he's doing there. And then goes and bottles it on the final corner. Yellow flags, it's all over, and that's pole. I don't know, man. Everyone, obviously, everyone started off with the conspiracy stuff. It's it's an unfortunate circumstance. It's not great, but it happens. You can't really say much more from there. And you know that was the end of it. Luckily, we carried on. We went through the rest of the weekend. Nothing controversial or fishy happened. And then no one screamed conspiracy for the rest of the week in an alternate universe. So we move on to. I mean, now to be fair, you know, we'll actually we'll stick with qualifying for a little bit longer. 
just because it's worth noting Ferrari started two and three. Back in the day, I remember back in my day, that used to be if there was a, a Red Bull in first or whatever it is in first, the other guy's in fifth or sixth. And there's two drivers from the same team starting two and three. That normally means the team starting two and three can split the strategy with their two cars behind, play with the car in front, and then end up finessing away so they finish one and three at the very least, if not one and two. Because you need the second car to fight your battles and you all need the second car to be on pace, and we've heard this so many times. Obviously, no one thinks this because the Ferrari doesn't exactly have the race pace, but in his first stint, to be fair, I think uh, Leclerc was keeping pace with Max. He was within like a few seconds until he wasn't. But I don't know, man. It's sad to see, even with the um, new regulations and being able to stick with within like a second of someone or whatever it is, that that's not even possible. So. It's looking like Ferrari's been the only team properly hit by this um, technical directive with the flaws and all that stuff, which is annoying. Anyway, um, Perez spun, and then everyone's whipping out their data now. Everyone's looking up the charts and looking up this, and Toto saying Lewis was a tenth up on Max when he had to back off. Other people are saying he wasn't anywhere near him. Um is to, right someone did like a frame by frame analysis of each like a side by side of both laps and all the rest of it and i don't know man turns out the truth is he was slightly up but he wouldn't have got pole the problem is where he would end up afterwards some would say he would have still got second but i think that gap was too small third was looking like potential but fourth is still also looking like a possibility based on the fact that the Mercedes seems to have the aerodynamics of like I don't know a bus going in a straight line so I don't know uh hearing that he might have still ended up in fourth seems annoying but at the same time it's also like I don't know I it's almost like reassuring hearing Mercedes couldn't have got the win anyway, just because it means that I didn't really miss out on anything. Because if you tell me that it was like right there and then they lost it because of random circumstances, then I'm going to be pissed. But I don't know, man, this whole thing's traumatic. I'm, I don't know what's going on. This is all like a this is a nightmare. I still haven't woken up. That's what's going on. Um, What do we have? Yeah, I mean, they just consistently lose time in the last sector. So... It's fine. Starting P4, fast starts, long first corner. It's doable. Places to make overtakes. Uh, it's all looking decent, I guess. Uh, not bad. Until the race starts, it all unfolds. And there's so many different timelines in this race. But I think we got the worst one. And it's just all very convenient, isn't it? That's all I can really say. It's just all really convenient. Um, how do I even put this? <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's let's just get into it. So, after the race, everyone's screaming, 
controversy and all of this. Everyone's coming up with stuff about what happened. But if we go each event, like, chronologically, if we go through each event, then I think it all makes a little bit more sense and it's easy, easier to sympathise with, like, both sides because... I don't know, screaming that they did this on purpose and like Alpha Tauri stopped the car and they did this and they did that. Like it's, it's like you just, I don't know, you just can't say that. But then at the same time, you can't go and say that it's stupid to think that and all the rest of it because honestly, weirder things have happened in F1. So I don't know. There have been weirder coincidences, but there have also been weirder um, actual conspiracies. So Let's just see what happened one by one going through uh, the race. And we'll start off with, I guess, the ways Lewis could have won or the ways that it unfolded. Um, yeah. So Mercedes slap on the hards. Turns out they're actually quick. Their pace is insane. They're both going really quickly. Credit to George as well. I don't think he gets enough credit for that second stint. He was actually staying like on pace with Lewis. The gap was like three seconds or something between them, which was really solid from both of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah, so their pace on the hards was solid. They were already quite far down on Max due to science holding up Lewis. Uh, being a bit slower and being hard to overtake. So it's unfortunate they lost out on that, but the pace was good, hunting them down. They were closing the gap and Max still had to pit again. So I believe at this point, the idea is Max stays out for as long as he can on those mediums, stops for softs, and then overtakes both of them. And the general consensus is he would have done it obviously it would have been way more entertaining we would have got a good finale we would have got him hunting down everyone going through the pack i'm sure for the max fans as well it would have been great you know seeing him like close them down overtake them with only a few laps to go all the rest of it so this is the first timeline it's a pretty good timeline even if it's looking like max would have won anyway you never know what could happen quite entertaining blah blah, blah. anyway this is when it gets interesting now. It's so dumb, man. Alpha Tauri. Sonoda stops on track. He loosens his belts because he thinks he's going to retire. He says one of the wheels is loose. Doesn't hear much from the team. And the, the radio communications are really weird at this point. He then gets told nothing's wrong, carry on. So he does very slowly because his seatbelts are loosened or undone. We don't know. I, that doesn't really matter, but can't tell. Anyway, he goes around, he stops, they change his tires, they tighten his belts, and he's off again. So you're assuming things are all good. His belt's tightened, he's going to go quick. While he's in the pit lane, he's then told, we see what the problem is now, stop the car. So he stops it and he brings out the VSC. Now, <laughs> it's so weird. You'd think, okay, cool, we'll check the radio communications afterwards because only some of it's shown on TV. Nothing's clarified there. 
you check the um obviously the stewards had to look into this because of the loosening of the belts and stuff the document they released about uh why he stopped and all the rest of it doesn't really clear anything up you'd think afterwards sonoda obviously has to go to the media pen do some interviews talk to people and the first thing they're going to ask is why did you stop carry on and then stop again or why didn't they keep you in the pits after you'd made it back to the pits nothing really clear there either so what's going on because it looks like we're just gonna have to move on there's a race in monza in a couple days and we're just gonna forget about it because that's so weird like they haven't there's people are saying it might have been a differential issue i to be i know what differential is but i don't even know what that means like i'm pretty sure they can change the differential on the steering wheel i don't know if it's like did someone not on their computer back in wherever bychester i think they're based like did someone just accidentally click a button and they just turned it up to like a hundred because i don't know for those who don't know differential is the it's the ratio at which the outer wheels spin relative to the inner wheels i'm pretty sure actually i should probably make sure of that um it's because when you go around corners the inner wheel will spin at a speed yeah i believe that's right the inner wheel will, will travel a shorter distance than the outer wheel which means that the outer wheel should be going faster than the inner one yeah that's what i think that's it we'll go with that I'm an aerospace engineer, allow me. I don't do cars, ask a mechanical one. Anyway, that's not a great excuse. Don't show my lecture for that. Um, what do we have going on? So nothing's been cleared up. Nothing is clear. Nothing's been clarified and we don't know what happened. Anyway, going with this timeline. Max has track position, hits for hards. Mercedes pit for mediums. Now we've got a tire offset. I haven't seen much based on what would happen in this timeline, but with the amount of laps left, which was 48 to 72, 20, 34. No. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It's 24. Great. I'm rusty. Okay. It's been a while. Uh, with 24 laps to go, I believe that's in the window for the mediums, but they would have had to catch up with him. And by the time they catch up to him, I think they wouldn't have the tires to do it, especially seeing as the the hard pace for the Mercedes is insane. So I'm assuming for the for Max, it would have also been. So at this point, I think Max has won the race. Either way, this timeline again, not as interesting, but maybe russell gains on hamilton maybe there's a fight there in terms of racing each other um whatever else there is i i don't know at this point to be honest but there's something there's something there and before this even gets the chance to unfold Bottas stops on track brings out the safety car and we got onto a completely different topic, which I've named the betrayal, and we'll get onto it in a bit. But 
here's the thing. I guess the important thing is Max probably would have won the race anyway, which is annoying to hear, but at least reassuring for me because that means that through all of this, probably would have got it anyway. So it's not like it was completely taken. Uh, obviously, when I say that, that doesn't mean that it was done on purpose. Personally, I don't believe it was done on purpose. I do think it's a bit of a stretch to say that. Um, I don't think that the whole... I don't know. I It's just... It's, I think is, I won't say it's wrong to think that, but it's it's bold to assume that in these situations and in this circumstance, that would happen in that kind of way, if that makes sense. Now, obviously, the other camps of people are going around saying it's horrific and how could you ever assume that and they would never do that and all the rest of it. Even Alpha Tower released a statement about this. And to be honest, uh, what I've got to say on this is weirder things have happened in F1. And the situation is insane. Like, first of all, in 2007, for those who do not remember, someone got hold of Ferrari documents on how they make their car and how they design their car. I think the way the story goes is he went to an Italian, like a shop somewhere in Italy to like fax these documents, print these documents. I don't know. I personally don't even know what a fax machine is, what it does or how it works. (laughs) But something to do with these documents in an Italian shop. They, this guy, turns out he works for McLaren. They use this data to, well, they use, they may or may not have used this data to build their 2007 car. The guy in the shop turns out to recognize something on the documents and suspects something's going on, reports this, and I believe that's how McLaren got caught cheating. They got fined 100 million and they got disqualified from the 2007 championship which is why lewis hamilton was using the car number 22 because they essentially finished last in that year's championship so that's why he used 22 in 2008 yeah listen all i'm saying is if that can happen if that can happen is it so far-fetched to assume that red bull here we go now red bull would use that their sister team, their junior team, to benefit them. On that topic, literally as recently as the last race, they had both their cars start in the pit lane. I can't fully remember if those were genuine issues, but let's just say Max was starting down the field and they were both starting ahead of him. They were sent to the pit lane. That's two cars out of the way of Max on the first lap. In Abu Dhabi, I believe they retired Perez to get him out of the way after they stopped Max again for fresh tyres. There's just numerous occasions, and they have a long history of using Alpha Tauri or Toro Rosso to help them with helping their sister team. 
they've got out of the way. They know when a Red Bull's behind them, they get out of the way. It's all it's all just part of the deal. It's all just part of the family sort of thing. It's just like a respect thing. Like, you just do it. Uh, on top of the weird situation, the weird interviews, the fact there's still no explanation, there's just a couple conveniences as well that's just so... Like, it's, I feel like it just couldn't have been orchestrated better. Like, it, it was too good to be planned. Because... The gap for Max to pit was like perfect. Obviously, everyone pitted under VSC, but the gap was just big enough for him to pit and then come out still with track position. Charles turns out when I didn't mention this the first time, but when Sonoda stopped on track the first time, it was just yellow flags. There was no VSC or anything. And then Charles pitted when he got going again. So initially, the VSC would have benefited both Max and Charles. He goes back to the pits, comes back out again, and within that time, Charles took a pit stop, which cost him the usual 18 or 19 seconds it cost at Zandvoort. Zenoda <laughs> comes back out, stops, VSC comes out, Max pits. That's Charles completely gone out of the race, like completely out of the way. <laughs> it's just I don't know I don't know I feel like it just could have it couldn't it's too good to have been planned like the Netflix script writers just they don't have the creativity for this like, I don't think they've got that mind in them to make this especially on top of the Paris spin and quality and all the rest of it like what a weekend I don't know like I don't know what Max has done to deserve this but wow uh it's it's insane to be honest um yeah and then on the same point the whole we're gonna debunk this com conspiracy and all the rest of it the main point being made is why on earth would red bull do this when they're winning the championship by so much and any evidence that would be found of them colluding would get them thrown out of the championship and disqualified. Now, this is a great point, and it's all well and good to use. If everyone had faith in the FIA, like, if, if you believe in the governing body to see some evidence for something that's wrong, and then use that evidence against whoever it is doing the wrongdoing, and then fairly punish them for it, then you know what, fair enough, and you've got them there, and that's it, and you know what, conspiracy debunked, we don't have to talk about it again. But the thing is, and it always comes back to this, it always comes back to this, and this is why it's so annoying that nothing will change about this, the FIA is untrustworthy. They've proven on multiple occasions that they're, they're inconsistent. They can't follow the rules. They don't know the rules. They pick up rules that they want to follow whenever they feel like following it. Like, oh, what was it? I believe even just this weekend, there was another rule. I tweeted about it. I'm going to check the, follow us on uh, at the, is it the, hold on. I actually don't even know our own Twitter handle. But follow us on Twitter for all the, the ongoings and thoughts in my mind. I actually recently just tweeted about 
uh, a very interesting pair of overtakes in Monza from 2011-2012. And honestly, that's pretty good because I was 10 years old at the time. So, like, clearly it did something to stay in my mind. Um, What do we have? As I was saying, there was another rule that wasn't being followed that they just decided to follow out of nowhere. They just suddenly decided. I have no clue what this rule was. Ah, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Ah, yes, here we go. So. Last weekend in Spa, Max rips off his tear off, throws it behind him, like literally all of the drivers do, and it ends up in uh, Charles's front brake duct or whatever. Hurts his performance, ruins his race, blah, blah, blah. Terrible. This seems kind of dangerous. How are you going to throw your tear off? Like, obviously, I'm not singling out Max. Everyone does it. They all do it, blah, blah, blah. The only reason this got brought up is because Leclerc is saying, seeing as it ruined his race, there should be a rule against this. And it makes sense. These guys, obviously, it's only a thin sheet of like plastic or whatever, but at the end of the day, that kind of stuff could happen. And personally, I've seen bits, small pieces of stuff come off the back of a car and end up in a driver's eye. I'm referring to Massa in 2009, and that's actually my first F1 memory. So the fact that they can just rip off that strip and throw it behind them and then just forget about it without a care in the world is so strange to me. Turns out in this article, that's a rule. They're not allowed to do that. So when they're saying they should find a way to keep the tear-offs in the car, turns out they're not allowed to throw them away in the first place. So the FIA just doesn't care. If they enforced it and had a punishment for it, they literally have onboard cameras on every single car. And I'm sure if someone saw that happening, it's very obvious to see a driver take the thing off and then like move their hand out of the cockpit to throw that out. If anyone sees that, which will be very obvious and easy to notice, slam dark and penalty on their head and that's it. No one will do it again. Bring it up in a driver's meeting just before the weekend starts. They'll stop doing it and no one will do it again. But like I said, the FIA, they're inconsistent. They do things differently every single weekend. They don't enforce the rules they already have. They create rules up on the fly and they decide things differently. And it's and the worst part is it's all just closed off. Like it all happens behind closed doors. Everything gets sorted behind closed doors. Nothing's like open and transparent and nothing makes sense. So why on earth would anyone believe that not even the Alpha Tauri thing? I've already said I don't believe that's what's happened. But let's say something more obvious happens or Red Bull, whatever team it is, is, I don't know, it seems to be a certain way and you'd assume they're cheating or whatever it is, no one's going to have trust that they're going to be caught. So why on earth would they not do that? Obviously, it's very risky. And yes, it's a business decision and F1's a business decision. So being caught cheating is bad marketing. But no one trusts the FIA to do anything. And I'm not saying the trust isn't there to the point that teams would go and break the rules, especially in a way that that's, that's like that big, like race fixing. I don't think they, I'm not saying that they're so, they're like the FIA is so bad at policing stuff that people will go and fix races, but 
they bottled the championship last season. They can't even enforce their own racing rules. They can't. They can't police. Pfizer tear-offs. So, does it really seem that far-fetched to assume that people, when they see the smallest coincidence, if it's even if it's way smaller than whatever this just happened, they would say that potentially something unethical has happened? Because does anyone trust that the FIA, if they saw this kind of thing, would actually go and hunt it down and see what happened? That's that's the ultimate problem here. And that's why no one has trust in anything. It's because you just can't trust the FIA. You can't say they enforce the rules. And when rules don't get enforced and rules get abused, and it's happened before in the past, then would you be wrong to assume it would happen again? And would you be wrong to assume that it would be brushed aside or ignored if, I don't know, it's hard to explain if that happened again. It's strange. I feel like it's just one of the many reasons the the love for the sport has gone recently in a lot of people. And yeah. I, I don't know. I got really passionate about that. It's just hard to. It's hard to agree with. What people are saying when. You're just flamed for having an opinion now. If if you think that it was a conspiracy, you're being called all these names. And then if you. Think that that's stupid and that would never happen. Like it's, there's just then you're being told like you're naive and all of the rest of it or whatever it is like I don't know it's weird it's a strange situation that's that's the best way of putting it I guess um now it gets worse it gets much worse the betrayal people the betrayal now <laughs> <laughs> the betrayal. If that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, George Russell, <laughs> George Russell, what are you doing? You know what? Nah, not even. We're going to go with the mini betrayal first, then we'll go to the ultimate betrayal. The mini betrayal. Sebastian Vettel, get out of the way, you old nerd. What are you doing? Why is he there? He's getting out of the pits. Lewis has just overtaken Perez. Perez, the the most annoying guy I've seen driving in my life. He's so annoying. That's nothing against his driving. It's just personally as a Lewis fan, he always seems to get in the way at the right time. Lewis gets past him. Brilliant stuff. I'm having a great time. Sebastian Vettel parks his car on the apex of two corners. Why would you do that? Like he's... The the thing is, the thing is, this would be once again another very convenient moment and just nothing more than a a misfortune. <laughs> but the guy is known for screaming over the radio for blue flags. He made a song about it, he shouts about it, he wags his finger about it. Like he's just I don't know, Sebastian Vettel and Blue Flags, they're like best mates. The number of times that 
he's shouted about them or spoken about them or criticized the driver for not like abiding by them quick enough the hypocrisy for him then to come out and get in the way and almost allow Perez to re-overtake Lewis he was going horrendously slow it's like he was abiding by the blue flags while also slowing down in his way so that he couldn't be overtaken like Ah, there's so many. If that was Alonso, I'd expect it. If that was Alonso, I would completely not understand it, but like it would make sense where it was coming from because the guy clearly has some unfinished business of Lewis that he's been trying to deal with. But for Seb to come and do that, I haven't seen any interviews. I don't know if anyone's spoken to him about it, but wow, that was. I'm pretty sure he was even told over the radio that they'd be there. So it's not like he wasn't aware of it either. He was just like, the, he must have been asleep. Like I don't know if he was still in Switzerland in his head or something, but clearly there's time out on the farm saving the bees. Like he, go enjoy it, mate, because I don't know. It's <laughs> just why? And that's, uh, it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. The ultimate betrayal, the ultimate betrayal. Not just from old friend Sebastian Vettel, but now from teammate and Lewis Hamilton defender, George Russell. George Russell. Now, people want to credit this guy. They want to be like, oh, great strategy, mate. Yeah, yeah, he made the call in his head. Strategy call. He knew they were the wrong tyres to be on. Change the tyres, get soft, finish his second. Brilliant work. It wasn't, though. <laughs> it wasn't. Fair play to it. Obviously, okay, fine. All right. You know, good call, good stop, whatever it is. But I don't know. Maybe my anger should be with Mercedes. But how are you going to do that? Like, if the plan is to go for the win, and this this is why I'm in the Nico Rosberg den, because from his lair, we joined him live in the race as he joins live from his dungeon, like wherever he is. And he states, if you're going to go for the win, then go for the win. Toto Wolf, the reason he defended this, you know, we'll even we'll go for the... Lewis is out. He's on his mediums. Safety carcass of Bottas. Max at this point is... He stops. So now he's behind them on fresh softs. Behind both Mercedes who are on old mediums. Once again, there are many timelines here and many ways that this works out. The first one is both of them stay out. And this is the one that makes the most sense. Now, honestly, Toto says they weren't aiming for the best position for their team. They could have easily got on a 2-3 here. But they said they were going for the win and that's what they would do. They were going to go with high-risk strategies. Now, stop giving George credit for P2 then. Because if they wanted P2 so badly, they could have got a double podium and secured the points as usual. But turns out they were going for the win. So if you're going to go for the win, go all in. Why are you not trying? Don't half ass it. Like, how are you going to send one of them, split the strategy, and then end up two and four? I don't get it. I don't get it. Look, let's say they go for the win. They have them both on old mediums. Best case scenario... They somehow win the race. A 1-2 is very unlikely. With the number of laps left. 
Charles probably might have gotten past Russell, might have got past Lewis as well. They might have finished three and four. Lewis finished fourth, so you'd assume worst situation, they finished three and four. Best case at a stretch. They probably wouldn't be one, maybe two and four, maybe two and three. Probably two and four, I reckon. Either way, you're going for the win. Try it. If that's your high-risk thing and that's what you're doing and you don't care about the points, you just want the win, then do it. Try it. Go for it with both of them and then see what happens. The other timeline is they both pit for softs. Now, you're not really going for the win there. If anything, if you're both pitting, then what do we have going on? If they both pit for softs, they both come up behind Max. They have to fight Max on fresh softs. That's worst case scenario, two and three guaranteed. At the very least, and at the best, you're giving them a fighting chance. Do I think they'd get past Max? No, I think Max was the, the race one at this point. But it's a punt. It's a go. Like, you've already pulled off a double stack. Like, somehow you double stacked them earlier. So, fair play to the pit crew. Uh, Mercedes a couple weeks ago for the past, well, for this entire year, I doubt they could have pulled off a double stack. So fair play to them this time. And it ah, just 2-3. We assume it's a 2-3 at this point. You're on fresh softs. You're probably not going to get passed by Charles. He doesn't have the pace for it. You're probably not going to get past Max, but with a bit of luck or whatever it is, Maybe you can at the very least probably not like matches lap times that go a little bit slower. The timeline they went for is leave Lewis out on old softs and then have let George have his way and pit. Now, George, you ungrateful nerd, and I don't even care about like if he wants to go for it, you know, what, fair play and all the rest of it. But how are Mercedes going to let him do that and then not communicate it properly with everyone else? I don't know why, but Mercedes and VSCs and safety cars lay on. I'm not comparing this to Abu Dhabi. That doesn't count because they did what they could at that point. And if you don't understand how their strategy couldn't have helped him in that situation, then you're stupid. But I don't know why. They have a history of just being very slow and very unresponsive and unreactive in these quick situations where you need to make a quick decision. If it's mid-race and you need to switch onto a tyre and change the strategy and all the rest of it, they're brilliant. But when it comes to the last 10 laps, when it comes to the last portion of the race and something changes, I don't trust they can make that choice and make that choice well. How are you going to let George do that? If you're going for the win, fine. Leave them both out. Here's the new one. Here's <laughs> here's the new one. Here's what's been spoken of. What they could have done is have George back up Max, slow him down a little bit. There was already enough of a gap. There was already Nicholas Latifi in between um, Lewis and George, which means that he'd only have to do a 10 cars length, which is also another rule that they don't really enforce, the 10 car lengths between drivers during the safety car. If he holds up Max and he backs off, 
Lewis can stop and probably come out in front of Max on fresh softs. So now you've got Lewis on fresh softs, George on old mediums, and then Max on his fresh tyres. So not only does Max have to pass Russell, who a fair play he would have been made light work of with the old mediums, you've now got him fighting Lewis, who's on fresh tyres and potentially has a couple seconds buffer to him already if George's defence works well. Why aren't you doing that? I understand it's so easy to say that with um, with hindsight, but the sacrificial lamb technique would have been the perfect thing to do at that situation. And it's not like they haven't done it before. So it's just frustrating to know that even with the VSC and even with the safety car, there's a situation that could have had Lewis in a very good situation to win the race, just like the first timeline we spoke about. And it just it just didn't work. It didn't come into play. It all just, I don't know, it just all comes up in smoke. It's all dead. It's all orange smoke. Max wins once again. And the guy, due to obviously great driving and all the rest of it, he's incredibly fast and consistent and all the rest of it. But with all of his rivals bottling it at every opportunity, he's being gifted this championship again in a very different way to how he was gifted his first one. And I use gifted loosely this year because he obviously did well and deserves it and all the rest of it. But it could have been so much closer than it is now. And it's just frustrating to see uh, how this all unfolds. <sighs> yeah. So that's the uh, the other timeline. The uh, ultimate betrayal. I don't even know. It's, it's tough. I hope Lewis is flaming the team. Uh, and luckily, I don't even know. I don't even know if... Let's have a look. The The final few races. What do we have? Italy. No. Uh, pure straight line speed. So will Lewis win there? Probably not. Uh, you'd assume definitely not. Um, Singapore street race bumpy i don't know the w13 just does what it wants at this point but i highly doubt it japan has a quite a few fast corners i feel like japan's a good spot may also be bumpy but japan seems like a decent place weather changes as well i don't know if the w13 is any good in the wet but if it rains late in the race do you trust mercedes to slap on the inters at the right time i don't know I mean, in Russia, it works, but it was a few years ago. I, I don't even know. The US is also another good one for fast corners and that. Quite technical in the third sector. But the problem is there's a huge back straight. So, yeah. Mexico, they've always been awful at Mexico. Abu Dhabi, couple long straights again. Maybe not. Maybe the corners are a bit too slow. Brazil, potentially as well. But I feel like that would be, I don't know, the first and third sector are basically just straights. So once again, that's kind of like Spa in its own way. So what I'm trying to say is we're running out of options here. We're running out of time and it's it's not looking good, bruv. It's not looking good. Um, 
I mean, I guess that's really it, to be honest. Like, I, I guess to round things out, we could talk a little bit about Ferrari. They're, um, like I said at the beginning, the 2 3 start, solid, but Charles was in the bin from the second stint. I don't know why his pace wasn't really there. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with that Ferrari, but clearly something is. And yeah, he got finessed with the Alpha Tauri stopping between the VSC. So that was unlucky. Uh, Science had a horrendous day. Uh, he took a bit of damage from Lewis on lap one, but he had a very slow stop. They completely bottled that. That pit stop was horrendous. So great to see that even when the main story and the main topic isn't about Ferrari, they still managed to bottle it in the B plot. So great stuff there. Um, the slow pit stop puts him out the race completely. He's then investigated for overtaking under yellow flags. Luckily to him, nothing comes of that. But he had an unsafe release during some VSC or safety car. So he gets a five second penalty that sends him from like fifth, I think, down to like eighth. So the late five second penalty strikes again. Yeah, he went to eighth from fifth. Wow, look at me. Incredible memory. Um, I don't even... You know, I'm just going to save up. Why would I do a Ferrari segment now when I know for a fact they're going to mess up a Monza and that'll be way more entertaining to talk about. So we'll hold that, keep it there. Postpone it for a couple days. Why I can't... Let me sign in. Predictions uh, for last week or for Zandvoort. I'm trying to get my fantasy team up. I had to do this from the uh, the bathroom from which of the establishment I currently work at because I knew for a fact I needed to change my team but I was my shift was from before FP3 to after quali so it needed to be done um let's see I am still sixth in the standings which is so embarrassing I came fifth again why do I keep coming fifth I keep coming fifth in the race weeks. I'm one point behind fifth place. Quite a few points behind. See, everyone's quite okay. I'm 200 points. I'm like 200. Okay, maybe no, I'm not. I'm I'm 300 points behind second. So it's all attainable in the long run if I do well. Yusuf is still completely destroying everyone. Oh my god, okay, Yusuf's changed his team at some point. He's got Leclerc and Verstappen in it. I don't know if he's changed this from last week. How do I check his team last week? At some point, Yusuf's been in there and he's changed his team. And I don't like it. This is worrying. How many people do we have? We have... I can't scroll. My laptop's in the way. We have 13 people in the league and first place is still yusuf what boring championship it's like real life i might have to use my mega driver soon could i use it on monza maybe ah it's, it's worrying though it's, it's tough anyway the, the point is i came fifth i'm trying to fluff it up and change the topic but i came fifth i didn't do great i had to turbo ocon because i got rid of charles to try and get max in my team did that help? No. Uh, I'm trying, okay? I'm trying. I'll get there. Um, 
<clears throat> with the that was a cough for the audio listeners if you somehow are still listening qualifying now let's see what i did with the actual predictions and see if i um, did a good job potentially right so i went with max pole good stuff oh my god ah oh, okay My quality top three was Max, Carlos, Charles. I always get them mixed up. Charles and Perez. The Ferraris are two and three, so I was wrong. It was Max, Charles, Carlos. So I got one and two correct. The race result, I said Max would win. Good stuff. I said Perez second. Definitely not. And I went with Lewis third. What could have been? What could have been? Max did win. George came second and Charles came third, which means I only got Max winning. Driver of the day was Max. No prizes for guessing that. Drive uh, DNFs, we got two. So I was close, but I really thought the gravel, someone would have been punted in there. Somehow no one got stuck in the gravel, which is an insane accomplishment for everyone. So congratulations. Um, right. Monza. The Temple of Speed. Let's see. So low downforce setups. That's I mean that's pretty much whoever's got the best low downforce setup. Let's see who could. I mean, I'd be an idiot not to go for a Max pole, especially with the uh, the car he has, which is a rocket in a straight line. The real question is, what happens behind him? Perez isn't on a great streak right now. I wouldn't trust Mercedes in a straight line, which means. You've got to go with, it's got to be Charles Leclerc second and Carlos Sainz third again. And then with the winning, okay, now Max's streak of wins is very impressive. But at some point it comes to an end. And I don't want to be the guy to say when it's going to end because I feel like it's just going to carry on forever. Oh, at Monza though. How hungry circuit could his engine just blow up like it used to at the start of the year? That hasn't happened in a long time. I'm going to have to say a max win. I really don't want to predict a max win, but I'm going to have to guess a max win. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, we'll do that later. Max of Stappen. E2. George Russell. Now, no, I would not. Would I guess a, you know what, I'm going to guess Lewis podium again. I'm going to say Charles Leclerc finishes second. And I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton finishes. Actually, actually, no, 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 I'm spinning it, I'm spinning it, I'm spinning the block. So, here's the deal. 2020, Gasly won. 2021, Ricardo won. Do I predict another random winner? 
Yes. I'm going to say the luck streak continues. George Russell is going to win the Italian Grand Prix. I'm going to say Carl Sainz finishes setting, and I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton finishes third. I'm either going to look like an absolute genius or I'm going to look like a complete idiot. So if I do end up looking like a genius, hello everyone on Twitter, TikTok, and all the other places that I post this clip because I'm a legend. Please follow our socials and listen to the podcast, obviously. Um, driver of the day. It's got to be George Russell. If he wins it, why would you not vote George Russell? And DNFs. The number that came to my head was four. And then the number six popped to my head. Six sounds a little outrageous. So does four. But I'm going to go with four. So what we're going to need is for Charles Leclerc to send it on max. Bit of contact, bit of obviously a good amount of contact, not in terms of hurting them, obviously, but a good amount because Max could probably still win with a broken front wing on lap one. So it's going to have to be something they can't fix. It's got to be like a bit of floor damage here and there. Get him to finish like 10th or something. There we go. Um, I didn't do the best and worst performance and all the rest of it. This podcast is a bit all over the place, but hopefully it was entertaining. If you've somehow made it this far, Check the socials that are around my head. Leave a comment, leave a like, uh, because it is genuinely motivating. It's been kind of hard, to be honest, recording these from Nico Rosberg's dungeon while I'm trapped in here. So uh, if you could leave a review or whatever it is on whatever audio platform you're listening on or a like on a YouTube video. And thank you very much for listening i'll be back in a couple days to review the italian grand prix which i'm praying is good and i guess that's it i've got to find a thing to say in the outro